Hey there, you're listening to The Render Podcast, a podcast for creatives. I'm Cam, a visionary leader who has failed and thrived through small business leadership. After being in the events industry since 2010 and working with brands such as Nike, the Dallas Cowboys, and the Create and Cultivate, I became wildly passionate about education for small businesses. I teach others how to work with their dream clients, the mistakes I've made along the way. I hope you leave here refreshed, engaged, and ready to take on your company, making the next right decision. Excited to be here another week in a row. This week we are talking about planners and rentals and how we both can come together and make events and weddings the best they possibly can be by working together. And I get the opportunity to have Amber on the podcast today. She's from Austin, Texas, so she's in the great state of Texas like myself. And I'm excited to have her on. Amber, will you tell our audience a little bit about yourself? Yeah, of course. Thank you for having me. I'm glad to be here with you all today. And as you said, I am in Austin, Texas. So I'm in the heart of the state and I have lived here for, I've actually lived in Dallas for a long time, but I've been in Austin now 13 years. So hopefully they'll give me my local card here pretty soon. They they, they protect those. They hold those close to the chest. I've been told I need to be here another 20 years before I, I get that, but yeah. I'm fighting for it. So yeah, no, I've been in Austin for a little while and I have spent most of my event industry career here in Austin, a little bit of that very tail end there in Dallas. And I've been doing, I've done corporate and social, so corporate and then primarily weddings. And I, in, let's see, 2018, acquired Refine, which is a community for wedding planners. And I'm a product of Refine. I grew up under the process of the training and the coaching and the the mentorship of Refine. And then when that founder and owner was retiring out of the industry, I got the honor of being able to step into the role of leadership. So I've been doing this for a little while and I've really enjoyed it. And it's created some neat conversations. One of my goals is, one of my goals as a representative of wedding planners is to talk cross category about, you know, what's your perspective, our perspective, how can we bridge the gap and, you know, ask questions and just try to understand the needs of each other so that we can grow and make things better together. Yeah. Tell our listeners a little bit more about Refine for anyone who might be interested or intrigued by what that actually is. Yeah. So Refine is, my goal with Refine is to help wedding planners work less and make more. So we have an online face, we have a Facebook group that is, I don't know, getting close to 4,500 members somewhere in there, just shy of that. And it's a really engaged group of wedding planners, uh, really supportive, all stages. We've got people that are wanting to become a wedding planner all the way to, we've been doing this for 20, 30 years and everything in between. We have um, lots of templates and basically like a business in a box. I have email templates. I have reconciliation templates. I have a CRM for wedding planners and retreats, a membership, and just a community and a space for those of us looking to seek and learn and grow together in a way that's not in a really positive way. I think some of the communities can get real thick with tension and, you know, judgy answers. And like, we just have a real different standard, the way we operate in there. So it's, if you're looking for something like that, and then 
hop on over. We'd love to, to have you. I love that. That's incredible. And I think community is so important, especially in this industry, whether it's a community of planners, community of rental companies, community of photographers, whatever it is. Sometimes it can feel really lonely. It can feel it super does, it lonely, does. especially if mm-hmm. you know, you're not friends with someone else who does your business. And unfortunately, there's a lot of competition in business, whether you're a planner, yeah. whether you're a rental company, it doesn't matter what you do. It feels like there's competition, then you don't want to be friends with that person. So you want to share right. certain things to make them compete against you. And so having mm-hmm. communities like what you are building with Refine and what I'm building with Rental Biz is really important because community is everything. And if you don't have it, it's really tough. We can't get through it without our people. And we've, you know, here in Austin, we've been fortunate that the wedding planners by and large are friendly and good friends and like, we'll go to lunch and share and have real conversation. And, mm-hmm. you know, 20% of my referrals at one point and prior to um, stepping full-time into education, 20% of my referrals were from other wedding planners. And so that community, I mean, <laughs> it's huge. And then with these online communities, it's it's neat to build relations with other markets and learn from, you know, if we talk about differentiation and that being, you know, a value prop in our businesses, I there's so much to learn from other markets of, of ways they're doing things differently that you can do in your market and be the shiny object that no one has because yeah. everyone else in your market is doing something different and so right. or doing the same thing. So I, I love it. It's been really neat. And one thing too, just to make sure we all hear this, is one of the biggest standards in Refine is that, you know, this industry can get really catty and really just clicky and you know, we have to be mindful of that. And so one thing that's really important to me and refine is that, hey, if you're struggling with, you know, a particular photographer, you can come in and like, let's help you with that. But we're not here to bash that photographer. We're not here to like, you know, talk ugly about them so much as here's my dilemma. How do I approach it in a way that's respectful and gain, like we all gain and win? Uh, So we really do approach it with that attitude. And, you know, I can't control 4,300 people at all times, but that's the, that's the goal, you know? Yeah. Well, I think, um, and I only know this because I started my business in Phoenix, Arizona, and then moved it to the great state of Texas. But some of the uh, friendliness, I think also goes to Southern hospitality. I think when you are in one of those Southern uh, states, whether it's Texas or Georgia or Louisiana or Alabama, Mm -hmm. There's that Southern hospitality where I scratch your back, you scratch mine. And um, sometimes it feels like it might not be that way. So if you are in one of those states and you're like, I'm not feeling the love. um, That's okay. It happens. But I feel like a lot of that is because of where we live. Because I know in Phoenix, there really wasn't a lot of networking. There wasn't a lot of um, getting coffee or lunch with someone. Even if they're not a direct competitor, there wasn't a lot of that happening and yeah. so some of that does go to where we live, but um, between what you are doing with wedding planners, what I'm doing with rental companies, and what so many other people are doing with photography and all these other vendors and the categories that we are in is that we're hoping to bridge that gap and maybe mm-hmm. share a little bit of this Southern hospitality love with other people and I teach know. people how to do that. Yeah. That's what I love about my retreats because people come from all over the country and it's what I experience in Austin. Like we just sit and have like, we've even formed an organization where we we're friends. Like that's who I, call, right. that's who I've called for happy hour. And, and so when we sit in a room together, 
in, in January we did Mexico and in August we're doing Nashville. You know, we sit in a room together. Everyone's like, this is so refreshing. I can talk to a wedding planner about the challenges I'm having as a wedding planner. I've never been able to do this. And I'm like, I just want that for everybody. I just want to like reach through my computer and hug everybody and be like, you can have it. But sometimes you can't have it in your own market. And so that's why we are trying to create things like that um, for people together. And then that ends up being who they, those small groups that we form, stay connected and continue the conversation, you know, as the years go by. Yeah, I think that's so important. And even on the local level too, being friends with other people who maybe aren't a wedding planner, but they do um, some sort of vendor service for the same types of events as you, whether it's a planner to a rental relationship or rental to a venue relationship, whatever that looks like, I think it's really important not only to have these national or even international relationships with other people who do what you do, but to also have other relationships with those that surround you locally and it's really important because a rainy day is going to happen, right? We all have mm-hmm. moments in our lives and moments in our businesses that something doesn't go according to plan. Um, I remember remember a couple of years ago, more than a couple of years ago, I was pregnant with my youngest daughter who's four. So it's probably four or five years ago now. I ended up going to the hospital because I had some complications with my pregnancy. And that weekend was a really, really busy weekend for me. And I didn't have the staff that I have today. Um, my business was smaller at that point and it wasn't as big as it is now. And I had to call and text a couple of my friends who were in the industry with me and say, Hey, um, emergency. I have a really busy weekend and I'm unfortunately having some complications and I'm in the hospital. I can't actually do those things. Can you please help me out? And it was great because I had the connections. I didn't have to make, you know, a blanket Facebook post or, um, call someone I didn't have a relationship with already it was easy for me to call and text some of my good friends in the industry and say hey do you mind helping me out um yeah I really I have the exact same story I mean different but same I mean like yeah one of my lead planners had to I was in labor when she called and her brother had overdosed and she says I've she'd already been talking about moving back home because he was struggling and she called she has I'm the worst human ever but also (laughs) I'm leaving (laughs) And so it was like, but you're, no one's the worst human there. Like everyone had to do what they needed to do, but, the, but I right. did have people to call is my point, you know? And so right. she needed, I wasn't going to make her feel bad. She needed to go do that. But I, as a business owner, it was my right. responsibility to know what my backup plan to my backup plan was. So I had to make those calls. Exactly. Yeah. I love that. Yeah. Um, well, the, what we're talking about today is planner and rental relationships and how those can work together and how not only can planners help rental companies and help us succeed, but how rental companies can also help the planner succeed on behalf of your client, whether it's Mm -hmm. corporate, social, wedding, we all have clients. It doesn't really matter what specific um, event type you are working on. Um, but having a planner and having a rental company come together to make something look and feel and experience something really great is really important. Yeah. Um, what is something that in Austin or maybe you're seeing within your refined community is something that um, can be a hot topic, something that is a struggle that happens quite often and how planners or rental companies can come in and um, avoid that struggle from happening. 
Yeah, I think Austin specifically, I don't know what this is like in other markets, but I don't know that this is totally unique to Austin. The same day drop off, late night pickup structure, and then it being overtime for weekends is a real challenge for weddings specifically. I know that events as a whole take place seven days a week, right? But a lot of events do take place on the weekend. And so when weekends are considered overtime, that's a real financial shift and staff, like it's a, this is a challenge because the venues themselves, I mean, everyone understands the challenge on both sides here, right? Like if the venue says you have these 12 hours and you can't come the day before and you can't pick up the day after, and then it's really difficult. And I've never quite understood why, I mean, I know now, obviously with staffing concerns and issues, like that it's a different conversation, but pre, pre the world turning upside down, I really struggled with that in the sense that like, if we know we have events seven days a week and we know people shop at Target seven days a week, does, does Target pay overtime on the weekends? No. So why don't we just have a seven day a week structure? Um, and that's something that I understand that there are, I think there's still, I, I get it. There, there are perspectives and things on both sides, but I would say that is a hot topic, particularly in our market. And um, I think the... If, if that's going to be a challenge that there isn't really necessarily a solution for, I think from a planner's perspective, the ask would at least be that that kind of stuff is presented in the proposal in the first place, because a lot of times a couple will do some of this stuff before they hire, before they tap out and realize, I can't do this. I'm going to hire a coordinator or a wedding planner. And so then we're just like thrown into having to show them all the mistakes that they've made. When in reality, like, could a rental company just let them ask the question? Hey, when, like, the couples don't know to ask these questions is my point, right? right. So I think right. we as professionals need to say, hey, what are the, when can we come? And and I think a lot, I've seen a lot of companies assume same day, or I mean, like, that they can drop off uh, the day before and uh, come back. And so they quote it. And then when I come into the picture and I'm like, actually, it's going to cost you an extra thousand dollars, the couple is angry. And now we're all the bad guys. And that just, they would have, and and, and I I can see from the perspective of like, well, if they see this number, then they won't rent with us. But I mean, they're going to, if they need those chairs, they need those chairs and they're going to have the same number from every company. So it's not about losing a cell. It's about the avoiding the meltdown later, in my opinion. And I think that can be really helpful, that kind of stuff. Just asking those questions in the sales process. And even when a full service planner is involved, asking those questions, I think that most full service planners should know to provide that information up front. But sometimes there's just an assumption either way. And then that becomes this like big surprise cost. And a lot of times couples would have chosen something differently elsewhere in the process if they had realized that. And so it's not about, I mean, if they have 300 people, they have to have 300 chairs. Like you're not going to lose that, but they might, they might not do whatever else somewhere else, you know? So that sort of thing. Um, Yeah, I agree. I think, educating your clients 
on the front end is super important. And this goes for all vendors. If you have additional fees outside of what you're charging, it's important to explain what those fees are and have an accurate description um, before the question even comes up that maybe they can find out before, whether that's yeah. an FAQ page on your website, or maybe it's something that you email them, like a one-page PDF of here's the most commonly asked mm-hmm. questions and here's some responses to those. Yes. But I think overcoming that um, surprise hidden fee later yeah. and, and is really, really important. And really pointing people to that FAQ and not just like, well, it was on our website, like... Really well, right. like right. point them to that. Like, not my, everyone has the time yeah. to read every single thing on your website, but also I know I certainly do don't. No, I right. have exactly. You can just link the page. Hey, we actually covered this in our FAQ, and maybe you even copy and paste what your answer was in your FAQ and put that in your email. Yeah, I have um, my inquiry. In my inquiry process, I you know, respond with a few different things. And that's, an, that's one thing that I would link. Like in the, in the meantime, between now and when we can chat, check out, here's, here's some more information. And I would link the FAQ page just so you'd see that. But I think when it comes to hidden fees, like I understand that I, I, the whole sales process in general is, is, is changing and evolving. And I think that I understand how, you know, you don't want to put so much in front of them that they, they freeze and don't understand and, mm-hmm. and all of that. But then, and, and, and we can say all day that we, you know, it's, it's written out in our contract. It was there for them to read. I provided them information. I can tell you from a planner's perspective, they're not reading contracts very well, or they don't know how to understand and read them. Like they don't understand how this contract connects to the, but this language in this contract may not necessarily be a hidden fee so much as the way it pairs with this other person's contract, now there is an extra cost. Like no one had a hidden fee, either either category, right. but the combination right. of the two policies now mean an increased cost yeah. somewhere. And so if we already know what some of those combinations are, it's really helpful to communicate that to couples because especially now, like they're just seeking transparency. Like everyone's lost a level of trust in every industry, not just ours. But in, trust is just gone. And so that level of transparency goes a long way right now. And I think um, I'm seeing couples say, I hired you because you're transparent. I hired you because you showed me all these things. And, you know, it may or may not cost more. I don't even know because I'm so confused. But, like, thank you for telling me because now I at least know what my cost is going to be. And so. Yeah, we see the same thing. And with rental companies or maybe florists or the same way, or if you're providing both a service and a product, Mm -hmm. this really goes hand in hand that there's going to be additional fees for additional things that need to be done. Right. Whether, um, and there's even a podcast episode on our podcast of all the additional fees that rental companies charge. And we did a lot of research on all the rental companies throughout at least the nation, if not the world. What are some fees that you guys charge? There's up to 20 different fees that we found. Not everyone charges all 20 fees, but there's up to 20 different fees that can be charged, whether it's a quick turnaround fee, yeah. damage waiver fee, late night fee, early morning fee, chair, tax, chair stacking fee, chair unstacking fee, setting fee, holiday fee, overtime fee. I mean, there's so many different mm-hmm. ones. And it depends on how you structure your business. Also, it depends on how you price your product. Um, for us, for example, we price our chairs to include us setting up those chairs that additional fee I'm going to charge you an extra fee to go set up our chairs we're bringing them or we're setting them up um but I think overcoming that and I've talked multiple times on this podcast so for our listeners if you're 
remembering, and if you listen to this podcast, we have to overcome this bridge of trust with our clients. Yeah. Your clients are on one side, you're on the other side. And the bridge is made up of your communication and what you communicate both internally and externally to your client. Yeah. And so external would be through social media, your website, your contract, things like that. Internally, communication is what you're talking about with your with your clients. And so if you present all the things and you're telling them what's happening, um, it's really important to do that to cross this bridge of trust because then they're going to immediately want to book you no matter what the price is. Mm-hmm. Certainly, there's going to be clients that they have a budget, they have to stick to it, and that's fine. But for the most part, if you can overcome this trust factor, they're more likely to book with you if they trust you versus saving some money and booking someone that they're just not so sure of. Right. And when it comes to contracts, we have contracts set up because legally we have to have contracts set up. But I'm sure most people listening to this is like me. You sign up for Netflix and you just press, yep, I agree to all the things that they just listed out for you. And you didn't read one single word of that. Yeah. And you just press agree and you keep going. Our clients are doing the exact same thing. Yeah. So some hot topics in in your contract is really important to make sure you make note of. So the questions that you get asked all the time. Or um, the things that stumble people later on, or maybe some negative feedback you might get. If you have that in your contract, go ahead and just tell them about that prior to you them mm-hmm. even getting frustrated by, by it. Um, one of ours that people ask questions all the time is our damage waiver. Why do you charge a 10% damage waiver? Well, in our contract, it says why. But our clients aren't reading our contract, right? And so if we say, well, it covers all the nicks and dings that happen at events. You have 200 people coming got a white sofa. We expect that there's going to be uh, either crumbs in the cushions, there's going to be wine spilt on something, there's going to be drink cup rings on your tables, whatever it might look like. This is covering all those nicks and dings and minor things that we can clean up later so that you don't have to be nickel and dimed later on. Um, it's kind of like an insurance cleaning policy for your items. Gives you peace of mind afterwards. People call it peace of mind fee damage waiver, picture-perfect fee, lots of different uh, terms for it. Um, But that's something that gets asked often. So now we've built it into our sales process that we're telling people about it uh, before the questioning comes up. Yeah. No, I do think you have to tell people about it because I think a lot of people come into this thinking, look, what I do when I sign contracts is like, well, I know I'm – Let's use like let's say we go uh, skydiving, right? Like I showed up, I know I'm gonna jump out of the plane. Like whatever they tell me to do, I'm gonna do. So like just sign it. I mean, obviously this is the worst example ever. I'm going to read every single line of a skydiving right. contract, but you get my point. Like a lot of times it's like I know I'm gonna like I'm getting a new door installed, right? Okay, like I know I'm getting the door installed. Like I'm not changing my mind. This is who I've hired. Whatever, just sign it. But those contracts are usually more just like legalities of if then the relationship turns. What I think couples don't understand about ours and so why they don't end up reading them is because they don't get that ours explains about how they need to plan and what the process is and what the layers are. And if then, if this, then that, and, you know, candles, this, that, and the other tapers versus battery operated or, you know, like they don't, know that that's going to be in there so they just don't know what they're not reading and so uh we've 
we can't assume that they've read it and we can't assume that they remember it a year later. So in that reconciliation process, we've got to go back through. And I think one thing that's changed everything for me as a planner was towards those kind of those final documents and stuff. I started extrapolating clauses from my contract and putting those, putting that in those forms. So like their decor instructions, uh, document, for example, where they, they give me all of their decor information and pictures and setup instructions and all that stuff. I have pro tips for success, for packing, for like what I will do, what I won't do, what they need to do to be organized. And then I have, like, I pulled the information from the contract that applies to that. And they have to initial all of that again. So that I know, like, so I can say, you've read it when you signed it, you read it before you packed it. Uh, you know, and it just doesn't come back to bite me anymore and they plan better. And so if that pertains to you at all in any forms that you have throughout the process, then try that and see if it helps. I noticed that if nothing else, it really stopped the complaints after the wedding because they knew full well that I made them initial stuff the entire 12 right. months. And so, you know, they would go back and be like, what did I initial? Oh, shoot, I did initial that. Because it's all, they're, half their complaints are just stuff they forgot that they agreed to, you know, they have so many moving pieces and I don't blame them. At some point you ask them if they want an Oreo or a chocolate chip cookie. And they're just like, their brain explodes because they can't make one more decision, much less remember the decisions they right. made. Right. So in the that's wedding, the thing. Comes wedding planning play. process in corporate social, not as much because it's usually not as big of events, but with those big events, they get decision fatigue, which means they don't want to read your contract and they don't yeah. want to read one more thing. They're just burnt out. They're yeah. like, I've been planning this wedding for months or years, just done. And then pile on the world and what's happening in the world. And especially mm -hmm. the last two years of the pandemic, then they're having to deal with that and they're, whatever their job is demanding of them. Yeah. It's a lot. And so um, imagine doing what we do well, as business people and people who have teams and then planning a wedding on top of that. That's a lot of work. It's a lot right. of work. Yeah. It is. And even when I did corporate events internally with those businesses and we would hire outside, uh, you know, planners or, or, you know, professionals in the local market. And I was kind of li liaison with our, with our business, with the company, it is still decision fatigue and all, cause it's just kind of like, God, I hired you, you figured out. <laughs> and like, and that's not really, that's not how it works really, you know, and I had to be held responsible for that and be part of that decision making process. But I still had my, you know, cool. We were planning this gala for the the company, but I still had the rest of my job to do throughout the year. And like, it does, it just compounds. And so communicating and educating on all that is really helpful. And I think that, you know, you, you made a good point about like there are 20, 20 up charges, right? Or 20 fees. And we're, I'm not saying go give everyone a list of what all 20 of those are, but like, as you see, a, uh, as you have an inquiry come in and you're like, oh, they're getting, they've booked this space for this party or wedding or whatever, this family reunion even. Okay. They've booked this space. I know that this particular venue or community center or whatever requires this unique thing of me. I need to go ahead and preemptively make sure that they know and understand that. And that this is what our fees are for it. Right. You know, yeah. instead of waiting for them to figure it out. And so, yeah, yeah. I think as rental companies, yeah, yeah, when you're planning to quote someone on something, I think just looking, taking a step back and looking at the full picture 
Um, I have a unique perspective because I used to be a wedding planner before I started my rental company. So I have that perspective on my company already. Um, but for those of you who don't have a planning background and you haven't planned a big event in your life, I think it's important to step back and look at the whole picture. Um, obviously, going to a tent in the middle of nowhere in Texas is different than going to a loading dock at a big hotel downtown. And it's going to require a little bit more of you. It's going to require more of your staff to do that than it is something that's a super easy load in. And so being able to look at that from a different perspective is really important. Yeah. And if you don't, then you will have those extra fees later on. And then your client's going to say, well, you gypped me. I didn't realize this is going to happen. So I think if you ask a lot of questions in the sales process or have a form that they fill out, um, is really important to get past those. And um, the timing thing, there's, I don't know, a ton of rental companies that don't charge a late night fee if it's after a certain time frame. And so if you can ask them that question before they even book with you, mm-hmm. hey, what time does your event start? Hey, what time does it end? Okay, I know that that's beyond the threshold of when we charge that late night fee. So I'm going to add that on and we're going to say, hey, we're adding this late night fee because a lot of our staff are dads and husbands. And we really uh, struggle to get people to come deliver for us late at night or come pick up late at night. Usually it's at 2 a.m. in the morning. And so we have to pay them a little extra to be able to come and do that for us. And usually people are like, oh, yeah, I feel like if I were to send my dad at 2 a.m. to go pick up something, he'd probably want to be paid extra. So it relates to them a little bit more. Um, I think generally what we're talking about is just be transparent with your clients. Don't have these hidden things that you add in later um, because it's going to break down the trust. So even if they cross that bridge of trust with you and they end up booking you, they're going to end up backtracking on that bridge and not trusting you as much, which then equals a bad review later on because they feel like they've been gypped or it means that they're not going to refer you to their friends and family who are getting married or having events of their own. Instead, they're going to talk crap about you. They're going to say, Hey, this rental company over here, you know, their product was great, but I didn't realize I had to charge or have to pay $1,000 extra when I wasn't expecting to do that later on. Um, so just being transparent is going to help overcome those and yeah. build trust even more so. And it might, you might be nervous. You're like, well, what if I, you know, quote them too high, but I'm transparent with them. They might not book with me. Well, if they don't book with you, they don't book with you. But you're building that trust. Yeah, no, I'll t- totally. I will. I had a client one time. They were from California. Most of my clients do not live here. They are destination to Austin. I had a client one time. They had some stuff that they wanted to do at our wildflower center. And I was just really honest with them about the time of year that they were booking and the things that they wanted to do. And you know, I, 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 you have to frame it in a way that you don't crush someone's dreams and their vision. But I was, I mean, down to like baby rattlesnake kind of honesty, like, Hey, you know, here's, here's what happens in Texas in April at wildflower centers and around, you know, blue bonnets, you know, the the things that you're asking can be done, but here, here are the risks involved. And here's, um, here are the roadblocks that we're going to run into and some safety that we need to consider. And, they were just kind of, you know, she told me after they booked, 
that that's why they booked me. She goes, you know, you told me, you said no to something that felt really fun and important to me, but you did it in a way that I knew that you knew what you're talking about and that you were willing to work with me to find maybe another alternative or something, you know, a solution-based option, but that you cared enough that you weren't going to, you know, just let me get to that date and then figure it out that, you know, you said yes to something that was really kind of a non-starter in Texas. I didn't, I didn't know. And now I do. And I feel like I can trust you. Um, yeah, I agree though. I think when you are easy peasy intentional about being honest and transparent, like we're talking about, even with contracts, but even with their hopes and dreams for their event, I think that's really important. And like we both said, it, it helps them book you and then rave about you afterwards. We want to create these raving fans because at some point, yeah. those raving fans become additional business, which keeps you in business in the long run. And so, yeah. Yeah, they may do one big event with you, but then, I, I mean, how many times do I go to a rental company just for my personal like parties at my house or things like that? And not, those are small orders, but I go, I go pick them up. It's not like this big staffing issue for them and you know just those little things come into play you know I thought of um you asked me earlier about hot topics I just thought of another one can I share it yes please maybe hot topic is a harsh term for this but something that I feel like ends up happening and can also cause heart cause heartbreak heartbreak is showcasing so be being uh, transparent about, <laughs> I don't know what the terms are here. Basically what's happening is that a couple will go and they're excited about these uh, chairs or they need chairs for 300 people. And then the rental company puts in front of them all the different chairs, as opposed to pulling back and saying, these are the four chairs that we have that would, you know, we have enough that cover your, st- your head count. You know what I mean? And fine and fair if like your website shows everything and they fall in love with something, but when they're coming in and you know their headcount and you're walking them around a showroom or you're pointing them towards the chairs, at least when you point over to the chair, say, hey, only those three can we accommodate your headcount on. Right. So being transparent with um, maybe you have 10 different dining chairs, but they have a guest count of 300 and you know you only have 300 of these ones and you have 50 of another, I think, yeah, that's, yeah, is that what you're trying to but say? I know things change, you know, inventory switches and changes and chairs get broken and, and stuff like that happens, but finding, you know, being able to cover the headcounts, I, I think too, so we have, in Texas, we have large events, yeah. and it can be a struggle sometimes to find enough chairs for these large events, and, but we have a ton of them, so it's not like, buying all of those chairs would go to waste for just one event, right? So being able to find inventory in general is is something that I feel like I don't know that I understand. And maybe there's a perspective you can share with me on that. I know warehouse space and and whatnot, but there in there tends to end up being a situation where we have to book from multiple rental companies. And then that gets confusing because then whose is what and you know, that's a challenge for everybody. So yeah, that, that can be a, a challenge. And I know here in Dallas, it's very similar to Austin. We have these massive events that come in 
um, especially on corporate. Man, there was um, mm-hmm. a corporate company that reached out 30 days before their event. And they needed a thousand ghost chairs for their event. Mm-hmm. I know that I only have 300. Um, and the most that you can get in the DFW area is 325 from one rental company. Right. And so there's certainly going to be situations where you have a large account and it doesn't make sense to have a thousand ghost chairs. No. But where can you reduce the amount of rental companies you have to use while also still becoming, um, being able to accommodate the account that you want. Yeah, I think the rental companies here in Austin started collaborating and created programs where uh, they could rent from each. So instead of making it to where the client has like four points of contact, it would be like, okay, I'm renting from this one company, but I need more than you have an inventory. So that yeah. one company then goes and sub rents it from the other. Yeah. Yeah. We do that here in DFW for sure. And I think for rental companies that are listening to this podcast, if you know um, that ghost chairs or shivari chairs or prospect chairs or whatever chair or whatever mass quantity amount of stuff that you need, whether it's tables, chairs, uh, bar stools, staging pieces, whatever it is, it doesn't matter. Let's just use chairs as our example here. If you know that people really love to use ghost chairs, and you know that you have thousand person, five thousand dollars, five thousand people um, needing these ghost chairs. Understanding who has what quantities and how you can subrent those out. Um, the event that I was talking about that we had a thousand people that needed ghost chairs. Um, I knew the companies locally that had those counts, and I was able to then go mm-hmm. and subrent those through my order. So what the client saw was a thousand ghost chairs. And what my team saw was 300 from us, 325 from another company, three something from another company, and then whatever the other right. other counts were to get to a thousand. We knew what rental companies were happening. So we took care of the logistics. We took on that responsibility and not the client. And certainly you're going to have clients and especially uh, planners or DMCs that want the control over that, but at least offering it and saying, hey, I know you have a thousand chairs or even for a wedding, you have 300 chairs and maybe you don't have 300 chairs, but you know that you have 150 and so-and-so down the street has 150. How can you collaborate with them and say, hey, I can get you your 300 chairs and you know, that's that. I'm going to get you the 300 chairs and then you go source the extra chairs. I think that's really important, not only for the client, but also for you as a rental company. It's really hard for you to keep 300 chairs if you know that 300 chairs aren't going to go out all the time because then that's utilizing your warehouse space and you would rather replace that space that you're using with something that's going to rent more often. And so um, there's a fine balance and certainly you might have to test this out um, with your clients and what um, people are asking you for. But I think it's really important for you to Utilize those local relationships with other rental companies and also think about, does it really make sense for me to have a thousand ghost chairs in my warehouse taking up that real estate in my warehouse when I could replace, you know, three, uh, 300 square feet of that with something that's going to rent out over and over and over and over and over again. Yeah. Um, There's some value too in pulling in your, you know, your the partners that you work with the most, your 
DMCs, your planners, and and when you're in a buying phase and getting their feedback and mm-hmm. their you know take and opinions and like what are you seeing coming up as trends and what what are you seeing going out? What should I start phasing out of my yeah. stuff and where where are you starting to see headcounts go and shift and what do you you just bring them into those kind of key decisions and see what would benefit everybody you know like yeah. how what can we what can we get into your inventory that would you know be a good like that people are gonna want to gonna want to rent you know and it's not just to sit there in your warehouse either so because i'm right. sure there are things that we all you know everyone's got something in their inventory that doesn't get moved very often so like bring people in on that decision, maybe even do some crowdsourcing with old, like previous clients and be like, Hey, what was your, what did you feel like our holes were? And, yeah. you know, kind of have a happy hour night where you invite a bunch of people over and just get their opinions or whatever. I don't know. People yeah. may want to do that more with the survey virtually, but utilize that, you know, resource. Yeah. I think, um, utilizing the survey would be a really great thing. We do that in our own rental company. And for those of you listening, I would highly recommend you implementing a survey. And not everyone's going to fill out the survey. And we know that because no one has time right. to do it. And unless they're going to do it right then and there, it's probably going to get buried in their email. Um, but if you have the survey and you can send it out, it's really important to ask those key questions like, hey, was there something that you were looking for for your event that we didn't have that you had to go source elsewhere? Um, is there something that you think we should have for our future clients. Um, how is the you know quality of your service? How is the quality of your rental pieces? That's a really important one to ask them because what you might think is quality might not be what they think is quality. And understanding that is really important. Um, if you have specific processes in your rental logistics, um, it's important to ask if those things are happening. So for example, one of ours is did you get a phone call 30 minutes before your delivery from our team? And we hope that the answer is yes every time because we teach our um, our staff to do that. That's part of our SOP. It's part of how we do our deliveries. If it's not happening, you don't know that it's not happening unless your clients say, yep, I received a phone call or nope, I didn't receive a phone call. Um, and so understanding their perspective is really important. Um, and if you're not asking them, they're gonna write it in a review and that might be the only way that you find out. And it's important to see the reviews, of course, but you also want some a little bit more context to that. Maybe why did why did you get a bad review? Was it because the quality of your product was horrible? Was it because your service staff wasn't friendly? Um, and so having this survey, it's really important to understand those things and also be able to praise your team when things go really great. And you probably won't know it went really great unless they tell you they did. And so understanding, we get a ton of uh, surveys back where they'll mention John on my team. They'll say, John was so friendly. We loved getting to know him again. We're seeing a friendly face again that we've seen before. And that's super fun because then I get to go tell John, hey, John, so-and-so said this about you. And I'm really proud of you. Great job. Um, So surveys, if you're not utilizing surveys, whether you have a rental company or a floral company, a venue, even planners, I think it's important to have this survey process afterwards to evaluate how it went. Yeah, no, absolutely. They, uh, I think that they can end up being your kind of sounding board and guiding light on what to do next or what to retire and 
and, and things of that nature. So there are certainly things that, I mean, even conferences or trade shows can even speak into. So all different angles for getting that sort of stuff. Yeah. Yeah. And I love what you said, because I teach this to my students as well, is get the opinion of other people around you when you're buying inventory. Um, if you don't have a community of people that you can ask, whether it's planners or florists or other other vendors in your industry, social media is a great tool to get some honest, real-time feedback. Um, we do this when we want to go buy new inventory. We'll have a survey that we send out to planners or we'll email planners who we work with quite often and ask if they're open to that product being added to our inventory. Um, but you can also put this on Instagram stories and social media and have the poll. Um, we have a section on our stories that we do this or that. And so we'll put two different rental pieces and we'll say this or that and then poll people what they are liking. And it really is informative. We yeah. did this um, probably about a month ago, uh, two months ago, if we're talking about this when this podcast goes out, um, where we asked people if they wanted a specific dining table. We're looking, we're adding a couple different dining tables. And so we had one option versus another option. Half of our team really liked one option. Half of our team really liked the other option. So we're like, well, let's ask what our uh, community wants to see. And people went after something that we weren't expecting them to like. And we wouldn't have known that. We would have gotten the other dining table and no one would have rented it. And then that also gives you a really great opportunity to get some sales when you actually get that inventory. And so if you are asking your planners, you're asking people, hey, do you like this or that? Or what do you like? And they say they like a specific thing. When you get that specific thing, email them and say, hey, remember when you voted on this thing? Now I have it. What can I start quoting you on these yeah. specific items, which is yeah. really awesome. And then let's your yeah. community, whoever's voting on this, whether it's planners or your Instagram community, that lets them know that you're actually listening to their advice. You actually trust their opinion. Yeah, for sure. Um, what other obstacles do you feel like you are experiencing or even some really great moments that you and other rental companies see that you want to see more of? Yeah, I think... Something that I really love is being made aware of like recurring sales. So here in Austin, every January and every July, there's one of those months is a chair sale and one of those months is a linen sale. And we can get a ton of clients in the door on those months, not just for those chairs or linens, but for, I mean, a ton of other stuff. And if they're saving on the chairs and linens that you're probably already going to bring and you've already covered on your cost, they're going to rent a ton more. And so those sales ends up producing a lot of revenue for these companies. And it helps us as event professionals say, hey, I know of this sale. See, look, I've already paid for myself. You know, we all win in that way. And so you do you. If you don't do sales, I, do not, I don't do sales. So I'm, I'm not here to judge you if you don't. But I also I run a different model. Of, I don't have inventory. So if that's something you're capable and willing to do, I, I can tell you, at least in my market, it works really well. So... But being made aware of those in advance is really helpful because we can like plan around those with, with our clients and get them in the door for more stuff. And just kind of understanding, too, that, you know, it's it's so much easier for in this category for us to add and upgrade our order through even till the last minute 
it's easier to do it with rentals than it is any other company. So your upsell opportunity is throughout, right? Like I'm not going to just add another eight hours to my photography. I'm not going to add, there's only so much I can add elsewhere right. or that even makes sense to add. And so, but with rentals, there's always like the sky's the limit, but there's a difference between, you know, an aesthetic, you know, wish list or versus like, I need this. So like when we talk about our budgets and whatnot with clients, we talk about like, what do you, what do we have to have? Where do, where do the bottom sit? <laughs> like we need some chairs. Okay. Let's start there. And then, it, and then we, and then we produce a list of like, what would we love to have? And then we kind of create our numbers with that. And so that's kind of how we do that. Just so you have insight on that, but it kind of gives some ranges, but I just wanted to cue in on that, like upsell opportunity. And y'all are, y'all are, smart people you don't need that elementary schooling on upsell throughout the process but just know that like you're set up better than anyone else in this industry and it for upsells I mean flowers maybe but it's so individual and like something too that can be really cool just an idea here I'm just kind of like now I'm just like free-flowing ideas um especially with weddings in particular something that wedding planners are starting to really like to do for couples you know, I'm, we're cautious of surprises because surprises can backfire when maybe they changed their mind about the surprise and you, or uh, what they wanted and you didn't know it. Or maybe they wanted it because they were going to do this other thing around it. And if you do that one thing and they didn't do the thing around it, now they're just like mad that it's part of it. And they, so you have to be careful with surprises. But one thing that I like to do as a planner is I, if I know that they loved a particular chair or loved a particular, you know, place setting or something, the photographer and I might go in together and, and, and upgrade their head table just for the, with those pieces. And if possible, if there's some margin with you to give us, you know, at cost or at least a little bit lower or something that can go a long way because it really, really allows us to sell your stuff in the long run because now we have the images to show them. And I know it's not all like we can't, you can't run a business on exposure. Okay, I'm not here to say that, <laughs> but when we can right. say, look what we put together, those, the next couple is like, I want that. And now I'm going into your shop and I'm buying 200 sets of that, not just 12 for the head table. Right. So it kind of like, so the photographer and the planner, like a lot of times, like we'll pay for that out of our own like marketing budget and do that for the couple as a surprise. And then that, you're for sure going to get a good review. Like, you know, so be well, not only do you now have the opportunity to get a good review from your planner and your photographer, now you get it from your yeah. client. And then if that sells really well on your side of marketing, now your planner is marketing it, your uh, photographer is marketing it, perhaps even your venue and florist yeah. might be marketing it too because it just all correlates really well. It shows off the venue well, yeah. it shows off the florist well, it shows off the planner well, it shows off the photography well. Now you're getting raving all reviews of it. from all those people. And now you're getting those rights. So it does come out of marketing. And that's a unique way to think about marketing um, because that might be something that as rental companies, sometimes we have um, deeper connections with our clients than other people. And you might hear your clients say, hey, I really love this specific linen. And then they get the price and they're like, okay, well, I can't afford that linen. So why don't I go with this other linen for everyone? And then now you have the opportunity to write that down. And if it makes sense and you have the budget to do it, try to surprise them. Or maybe a week or two before 
if it makes sense, you have it available, it's just sitting on your shelf, it's not doing anything, say, hey, I would really love to upgrade you at no additional cost to this linen for your head table. I know you said that you really love that in our meeting a few months ago, and it's still available. And I know it was really important to you. So I'm going to just throw that 100%. out. 100%. I love that. Um, super important. Yeah. And if it's not that, maybe it's in the lounge area. Lounges have mm-hmm. so many upsell opportunities. So much. And a lot of times, I know our clients, budget restraining wise, they just get sofa, couple chairs, coffee table, and maybe a rug. Well, as the rental professional, I know that pillows mm-hmm. and candles and books and plants and all of those texture items is going to really make that look incredible. And so would I, as a marketing person, would I rather have a photo of this lakeside at this beautiful venue with just the bones? Or would I rather see a photo that right. has all the things I can sell that lounge package again. And then not only that, now my client is like, oh my gosh, this looks so much better than I expected it to look. Yeah. Um, win-win situation. It is. Everyone. And like I said, like we can't operate everything off of exposure, but there is something to be said for if it's with the right collaboration and the right partnership and with the right guests at this event, like that really can spiral and go a long way. And like you said, it just warms it up in a way that now – before it was just a head table like you just logistically had to have a head table but now it's like it's it's now people see it and and it does it just it it helps everyone with a a portfolio and it helps um, move the industry in a direction that like you can kind of dictate trends honestly if you do stuff like this because you can style it in a way that's like this is where I want my rental company to go this is the direction I want it to go so I want Mm -hmm. as many pictures of that as possible and so I understand that there's overhead with, you know, washing those linens, even if it's sitting on your shelf. So definitely factor some of that in. I mean, don't eat all of this cost, but do try to do a mindset shift on like what could be a marketing cost. And again, you got to make sure it's the right collaboration. It's the right partnerships. It's not just everybody willy nilly, but you know, that comes, that can be helpful. And I think one thing that happens here in Austin, I don't know about you in Dallas or you of all, y'all, all of you listening, how this is in your markets, but this is not a blanket yes, but typically if a if an event professional reaches out to a rental company and says, hey, I'm hosting this or I'd like to do this style shoot or whatever, there is usually like a hard cost, you know, yes. It's not, it's not like, hey, I'm going to deliver all this stuff and set it up and do all these things. But like, hey, look, if you'll come pick it up and you'll bring it back in good condition and like, you know, the consequences if you don't, then yeah, it's just sitting here. So that stuff goes a long way too, even for just like our personal parties. I've done that for lots of family gatherings and, and things like that. And and I try to always do it in a way that's like, hey, what do you have that's just available at this time frame? You know, and, and, and so I also need to have a level of respect and not entitlement and just come in and be like, I'm doing this and I need these things. I, I try to come in. I've even done this with Flora. So I'm like, hey, do you have any extra stems from, you know, an order? I'm happy to pay for them. And, but like, and half the time they're like, oh yeah, I'll just come get them. Cause they're, just, they're literally just going to throw them away. And so, right. yeah, but the uh, re- approach and respect matter. So if people aren't approach, if people are approaching you with entitlement, then like, maybe that's not who you want to get, you know, into the marketing game with, right. but find if the, if there, if some of that does make sense, then go for it. And, 
and have some parameters around it and contracts. I've always, you know, there's, I have no problem signing a contract and saying, Hey, if I break this or ruin it, I have to pay for it. And so, um, but that, that makes a difference with like, you know, when people then come into my home and I've elevated my tablescape or whatever, they notice that. And then it puts me as an event professional on a different like level to them. They're not like, oh, she just, she, that's cute. She plans weddings. It's like, no, this person knows what she's doing. And then they bring us, they they send people to us. And then who am I sending that, that client to you, (laughs) you know? So yeah. Yeah. I just, that goes a long way. That's really important. Yeah. And going back to what we were talking about earlier, also taking it from a different lens and stepping back and asking questions, because we've certainly run into like with lounges, they're like, no, I actually have special pillows that I've actually purchased. Of course. It's like, okay, great. Like maybe we can help, you know, pull something together as well. So um, sometimes it's a really great thing to surprise them with it. Um, but also asking questions of like, hey, I'd love to throw this in. Do you mind if I right. do that? Exactly. Um, we've actually had one situation that we gave people free stuff at the event. And they're like, I didn't ask for this. Why did you give this to me? And we're like, oh, so sorry. Like I was trying to help you out. That happened to us once too. And that's what made me pull back and go, oh, gosh. And I had, um, I was doing some landscaping in my yard. And the landscaper surprised me with something. And it honestly made me mad and I felt like such a jerk. And I didn't, I didn't, I didn't, I didn't project that frustration on them because I know that they were being kind. Right. But like what they did, I would have, um, I would have done something different around, like I said, around it. If I, if, if I had gone with that original, like what I originally liked, but it was just outside of my budget, you know, I, right. I would have done something different elsewhere and I could have afforded those other different things. So then to me, it didn't match. So then they thought it looked beautiful. And to anyone else that comes into my yard, probably thinks it looks beautiful, but I just see things the way I see them. And so I was like, right. dang it. <laughs> um, so then I was like, oh my gosh, is this how clients feel? Yeah. Right. Yeah. So sometimes this can be good if you ask them and they're like, oh, ask them about it first, or if you have some sort of a conversation before you actually do it, um, just to kind of pulse them on it. You don't have to tell them exactly what you're doing, but maybe take a pulse on um, what you want to do. Exactly. And kind of get their why of why they aren't doing it. Like, is it just because of this or does it no longer match or whatever? So, right. Yeah. I think, yeah. And a lot of times it does come down to budget. Um, especially right now with inflation and how that's affecting just normal day-to-day life. Yeah. It's going to affect wedding budgets as well. And so a lot of times it might be budget. Um, And so having things set up in your business as a rental company is really important for this process. Um, A quick glimpse of how we do this is every single Monday morning, we have an operations meeting of here's what's coming down the pipeline in the next two weeks, what we can expect and our salespeople and our operations people are both in that meeting. And so our salespeople can say, hey, I pitched that client two different looks. I pitched that lounge with just the bare bones, what they're wanting. And I also pitched them with all the fixings as well. But they decided they didn't want to have the pillows and stuff because it was budget. And so I'm going to send a, a note to my client, seeing if they still want those things because we still have them available. And if they choose to have it, I'll let you know. If they don't, they don't. 
And so then you just have people on, uh, on the, on, you know, understanding what's happening and being aware of those things. Um, and not being super last minute about some changes because I'm sure your staff would appreciate some communication uh, before you add those on. So yeah, well, and one way with budgets, like we sometimes see where like the venue has labor that will set some stuff up, or maybe the event manager has built in some staff for that, or the rental company has. So then like. <laughs> Are we getting double and triple charge? Is the client getting double and triple charged? Right. You know, so if, you know, if you know that a venue is already going to have labor involved, then like scrap that off your responsibilities because one, it helps you with staffing and the two, mm-hmm. that gives them more money to play in your rental, in your showroom, you know? Yeah, exactly. So. Well, I think this has been an incredible conversation and I'm super excited for our students to hear from this conversation. I know that I've learned a little bit already just from having this conversation with you as well. And I'm probably going to go out and tell my staff about some of the stuff that we just talked about. So um, I think it's really unique that we're able to have this conversation and then also allow other people to sit in on it as well. So I'm excited to have people listen. And um, if they want to find you, if they want to join your refined community, how would they be able to get in touch with you? Yeah, the best way to do that is honestly through Instagram, which is the handle is at Refine for Wedding Planners. And we have the link tree that will take you to the Facebook group or where, whatever it is that you're looking for. But also, if you're listening and, you know, the perspective that I've shared, you know, as a representation of wedding planners, if there's something in there that you're like, oh, gosh, but this is why we do it. And by and large, this is this is the voice out there. I, I really need planners to know and understand this better. Please, please, please shoot me a message because I want I want to take that information back to our planner community because we are not the end all be all. We are it's not my way or the highway. It this is an open conversation. And there may be there may be perspectives on both sides that there is no winning solution for either party and there it's just a compromise. And but if nothing else, it's just nice to understand why the other person is so opposing of my like absolute need over here. And it, and cause then it, it, it takes away this, like, why did it, it's, it's not, no, it's just like, we have opposing needs. And so that can remove the conflict and the tension and, and, and help me at least understand like, you know, there's a real reason. And so I, I'm absolutely happy to continue the, the dialogue. Even if you're listening to this podcast, like two years later, <laughs> you know, shoot me a message. Yes. And we will link all of those in our show notes of this episode. So be sure to scroll down just a little bit and click on those links. Amber, it's been such a joy to have you on the podcast. Thank you. And I can't wait for people to listen in on this episode.